Welcome to Dorks on Sports, a podcast about four dorks talking about sports. Joining me, as always, my name is Daniel. We got Curtis. Curtis, I have to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. What does Curtis Eastwood do in the offseason after the Super Bowl and before training camp starts? Uh, well, in a couple weeks' time, we're going to have the NFL scouting combine. In, <laughs> okay, so you're uh, going to dig in deep in, on that. Uh, in Indianapolis, and that's a whole week-long event. We get yeah, all the measurements. We get all the 40 <laughs> right. times. We get all the 10-yard <laughs> splits. We get all the bench presses. Uh, I'm going to be glued to my television. It's like it's like the underwear Olympics for big men. Yeah. Um, we got and, all the all these coaches uh, looking yeah. at all these young men like draft horses. There's going to be Very. all the defensive tackles that I'm going to get super excited about that Seattle's <laughs> not going to draft because they're going to draft a wide receiver instead. And like it's just yeah, there's like it's and then and then there's free agency after that. You know, and you know what I like draft? about the combine? What's that? In, in recent years, is Teams and coaches now, uh, they're really deceptive about who they're looking at at combines now. Yes, they are. Like, they don't want to play their hand. So now you've got, like, this political Game of Thrones thing going on at the combine now. I kind of dig it. Yeah. Yeah. I like the drama. Yeah, it's a lot of poker face stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. All right. Anyway, good. So, in the you know, after all that, and then we're in like, you know, the, the dead of summer before training camp starts and everything. What, what do you do? What do I do? Do you just, uh, do you return to your coffin and go into a torpor for three months until, uh, <laughs> until training camp starts? Uh, you don't know that there are too many sports podcasts that use yeah, the word torpor yeah. on them. And then you rise from the coffin. <laughs> before, before, the, before the pandemic, I used to do all the summer blockbuster stuff. Like, that was my whole oh, thing. That's true. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, it was just like all the big, you know, spectacle films uh, to come out. But, you know, the thing is, Marvel has j- that's like a year round thing now. It is. It is. Yeah. I know. Well, that's you know, right. they're destroying cinema. And <laughs> right, world. as uh, as all those a lot of old fun. I'm enjoying it personally, us. but you know, <laughs> yeah. Alana, how are you doing over there? I am doing all right. It's a. Uh, uh, what's week. your opinion on the Winter Olympics? How how's that been going for you? You know the the sport that has my heart is short track speed skating. Uh, yeah. I love watching short track speed skating, but this year the mo- real money has been in snowboard cross. Um, those races have yes. been exceptional and you'll know the stories Millie, they've been great oh, the stories yeah yeah um lindsey jacob ellis like uh getting silver in 2006 she's right there on the on millie's background um the reason she got silver was because she showboated off the last jump and then beefed it uh and then slided in for silver and or slid in for silver instead of gold um, and then she competed in 2010, in 2014, in 2018, and in 2022. And she didn't win a medal in any intervening moment. And in this Olympics, she's won two uh, goals. Oh, so cool. Um, and it's just, it's, it was such a cool story. Her glee when she won her solo race was just uh, like unbridled joy. And then yeah. watching the the mixed doubles, which is a new, or the, um, uh, mixed relay, I guess, which is a new event. 
um, I was sitting on my couch screaming, go Nick, go Nick. <laughs> and then like I ro- roped in my whole family into it. And we were all just cheering at the top of our lungs. It was, it was just uh, super awesome. Uh, and uh, the other sports have been good as well. I, I, I feel like really um, happy for uh, how it's gone. Um with some exceptions. With some, uh, we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to get, get to that. Aaron Jackson winning in uh, speed skating, the 500 meter long, not short track. Uh, I think she's the first black athlete to win um, uh, a speed skating gold um, um, for the Americans. Uh, and that was pretty cool as well. So there's cool. a, there's a lot of that type of thing. I um, love it. Well, yeah. again, we're going to get, we're going to get to the uh, winter Olympics in a little more depth for you uh, podcast listeners. So stay tuned. Keep listening. Uh, If you're Olympics only and you don't listen to the Super Bowl, just skip ahead by about, I don't know, probably 20 minutes. (laughs) Millie, (laughs) how are you doing over there? I'm so sorry. We don't provide time stamps. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Your Bengals did not not get it done. It was uh, it was a great game. It came down to the final play, but unfortunately, the Rams were the one who walked away with it. Uh, how are you doing over there? Oh, you know, I'm doing all right. It was yeah. uh, that I've had some time. Uh, <laughs> it was it was a really good game. Mm-hmm. It really was. I mean, it was tight. It was action. It flew by. I don't remember the last time I felt like. Uh, a Super Bowl went by quickly and in such an exciting manner. Um, yeah. and Fairly low scoring for a Super Bowl, but I didn't feel like it was poorly played. Was it low scoring for a Super Bowl, though? Was it a little yeah. bit on this? I mean, I think the 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 officials were letting the uh, defenders defend the defenders get a little physical final until few uh, until minutes of the game. Sure, but I'm yeah. just saying, I mean, the last time the Rams played in the Super Bowl, they scored three points. So mm-hmm. me, yeah, that is, that's a good you know, point. That's a, yeah. what, what I was yeah. actually doing at the beginning of this was was reviewing some of our uh, forecasting from Oof, our last I I, podcast. That game did actually. not go how I thought it was going to at all. Mm-hmm. No, no, it did not. You all did horribly. I did fantastic, <laughs> yeah. but you all did horribly. Um, <laughs> but I, I didn't think it was actually all that low scoring for a Super Bowl. I, I don't recall them being extremely high scoring affairs in general. They tend to be more of a defensive face off until more recent years. Um, because now we just love quarterbacks so much. Um, and we give people 12 chances to throw a touchdown. It's fine. It's fine. We're not going to get upset about it. <laughs> I'm that. over it. I'm over it. We're, we're yeah. fine. We're all fine about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we should read um, Curtis's blog and we just won't talk about it. Um, because we have to get over it. Uh, but it was it was a really good Super Bowl. I didn't love the ending. I didn't love how it ended. Obviously, we all wanted the Bengals to win. We all chose the Aaron Bengals. Donald loved how it ended. Oh, he sure did. Oh. <laughs> if I have to look at that man, <laughs> one more time. Now, watching him cry got to my heart, but watching him be a dick yeah. and finger did not. I think he's genuinely one of the good dudes in the league. I have a great time, like totally hating him. And that's hard for me to say, given the fact that he destroys my quarterback annually. Um, (laughs) But I think he's genuinely one of the better guys. He's He's an amazing player. And here's the thing, the more that you, you know, you get all the hype before the game. And the reality is, is the Rams had a lot of players that are easy to love. We might hate Mm -hmm. the team and a lot of things about it. 
But honestly, like I was happy to see OBJ play. I was sad to see his knee go the way it did. That sucks. Um, and I was, you know, and there he is crying at the end. And yeah, he had some time as a prima donna, but he also had a lot of years just trying to make something happen. So I'm happy for him. You know what? Uh, Whitworth and and uh, oh, Weddle, right? Mm-hmm. Weddle comes back out of retirement uh, yeah. and he tears his pectoral and he's like, I'm going back into retirement, but this sure was fun. And Cooper <laughs> Cup, who, you know, a few people really, really saw how great he was going to be. But before this season started, he was not supposed to be the guy and he was totally the guy and he was absolutely the MVP of the league, which is another thing we're not going to talk about. Um, Cooper cup had one of the all time great seasons for a wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, he came out of Eastern Washington. You know, that's the thing that we all forget. Like he's not (laughs) an LSU factory wide receiver. He came out of, Division two or division one yeah. A or whatever they call it. And he was a late, he was a late bloomer too. I was listening to one of the sports radio stations last week and they had his high school coach. And when he came in to take over that high school in Yakima, everyone was talking about how this kid was just a great kid and you're going to love him. And he took one look out of him and he was like six foot, 140 pounds or something like that. Like he was just <laughs> rail thin and he's just that was like, me in high school. Oh, okay. Yeah. But he was just a very determined, he was just a football junkie. He used to walk around in the high school halls with like um, ankle weights on to sort of like improve his verticals and all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, He sounds like he's a really cool guy. Um, I don't, hadn't really followed him super closely, but I know a few years ago when he was in Eastern Washington and he was coming out in the draft, I was kind of really pining for the Seahawks to draft him because I thought it would have run a really cool local story. Yeah. But I had no idea that he was going to project in that way and watching him, watching him, you know what he really, who he really reminds me of. And I've never heard him comp this way. He reminds me of Jerry Rice in the way that he can he can he can move after the catch and he can just sort of find ways to get hope and then that i mean just the way he catches those slant passes and goes yeah. and like you know and sidesteps like he's just, he's just i just think his route awareness his ability to run after the catch is pretty spectacular to watch i am seeing that comparison actually pick up quite a bit especially <laughs> because of what he managed to accomplish mm-hmm. Yeah. With the triple crown, yeah. With the triple crown. Yeah. So and he, he, and he wasn't a fast he guy. He wasn't a. He was. He wasn't a. You know, Jerry Rice wasn't a. He 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 was thought as a slow receiver coming out of college. You know, good pass catcher, good route runner, but not very, not any top top end speed. And that was the knock on Cup. Was like, you know, oh, he doesn't have elite speed. Well, he looks so. You know, fast the, to me. <laughs> the Rams went out and got Matthew Stafford. Uh, thinking that was the piece that was going to put him over the top. And I think they probably gambled well on that, mm-hmm. but who's more important to that team. If, 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 if the Rams don't have one of these players, which one is more important to that team for this season, winning that Super Bowl? Matthew Stafford or Cooper cut. I think, I don't think you could make an argument. The upgrade at quarterback that they went through is why they won the Super Bowl in my mind. Sure. I do think that we saw this season from Cooper Cup coming based on last season. He was one of the yeah. top receivers in the NFL last season. So the what 15, 10 to 15% increase in production 
from cup uh, last season to this season um, is, is a nice, nice thing for sure. Yeah. Um, becoming the premier wide receiver. Maybe we didn't expect that, but we probably thought he was top five jumping from uh, number Jared 20. Goff. Yeah. Number 20 to 25 quarterback to uh, six, seven, eight quarterback. Yeah. Like yeah. the difference there is substantial. And I, I think that cup was the MVP of the season. I think that, uh, Cup was the MVP the Super Bowl. of the Super Bowl, but I don't think the Rams win the Super Bowl without making that Stafford trade. Sure, but if Stafford doesn't have Cup, do they win that Super Bowl? But there is a touchdown that Cup caught that Stafford didn't throw. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying, right. like, yeah, you're you're right. If Cup isn't on that team, the Rams don't even make it to the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's if, really if, a hard thing to separate for yeah, this. It is. It is. And they're really bond that connection. Right. I have to say, I do have to say, the connection that those two made immediately was surprising. And not only that, and I'll give props to Matthew Stafford for this. He was also able to develop that chemistry with OBJ halfway mm-hmm. through the season. Mm-hmm. I, that's pretty incredible. So here's an interesting thing I do want to tell you, though, is before the season started, in the offseason, Cooper Cup was amazing last year, but as somebody who who works on the fantasy side, everyone was downgrading Cup. They actually said he wasn't going to have a season. He was going to have a drop-off and that the connection between Stafford and Woods was was the thing. That was going to be the big deal. That was going to be his guy. Cup, we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. And then they started playing and that was absolutely not what happened. And it was all- That's because Woods went out in preseason. Uh, it was midseason, right? Was it midseason? I thought yeah, it was midseason. It was. Okay. It was but midseason. He went, that's he went out went weirdly the same week they signed LBJ. OBJ. 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 Yeah. Yep. And then they lost Woods, and it was kind of like, oh, that's the reason why. Yeah, it was. It, we we were like, oh, OBJ, whatever. Got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. So it was. It was an interesting thing because he did kind of fly under the radar for a lot of people. And Definitely. There was an interview with one of their regular reporters for the Rams and she had been at all the practices Mm -hmm. and she had talked to the coaches. So it wasn't one of these weird misdirection things Mm -hmm. from the coach or, you know, the organization, like truly in preseason, that's what they were showing. That was the connection. And -hmm. then the game started and it totally switched Mm -hmm. and all credit does go to them too, though, because they talk about the fact that they would spend five hours just doing drills with each other. I mean, they Mm -hmm. made that work and it is very impressive. And like I said, there's just a lot to, there are a lot of stories and people within that organization that, that make it so I don't feel disgusting and dirty about who won this Super Bowl. <laughs> from a piece of shit. It wasn't Green Bay, you know, it wasn't right. Green Bay. It wasn't Tom Brady again. Like I was right. happy for them last year, but I don't want to see it twice. Yeah, it could have, it could be worse. And you know, that, that Bengals team, I love them, but they're, they're young and hopefully uh, they can keep their shit together. Does this Bengals team uh, are they go you know are they going back to the Super Bowl? Not next year. They won't next year. Uh, I don't think I don't think they make the playoffs next year. I think they're gonna get hit pretty hard by the um, that post- Super Bowl curse. curse. And I think I don't, I don't think them. either team's going back next year. Yeah, I I, I think agree. It's I agree hard to yeah. I think the Bills are going to be really hard to beat next yep. season. I think yeah, they are. That's, that's my way too early prediction as well. I think it's the Bills. we're in agreement on that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I really feel like the AFC is trending um, at a much more rapid race 
uh, pace than the NFC in terms of like young potential prolific quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, I see, I can see a decade on the short horizon where we're going to see AFC domination. Mm-hmm. Um, potentially. Yeah. They've got so many yeah. great young quarterbacks. The yeah. NFC has two of the best veterans in the league right now in Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's scary to think that Russ is now like the grizzled vet of the NFL, but here we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, Can we uh, talk? Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Can we talk about the halftime show? We have to talk about the halftime show. Uh, first of all, I mean, absolutely lit. Uh, it was incredible. Here's one thing I, I just want to point out that I just noticed immediately was that stage chemistry that Dre and Snoop still have is just incredible. Mm -hmm. Just absolutely incredible. The two of them are so magnetic together. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, I want to say like, (laughs) I started to feel my age because I was like, I was watching and I was like, wow, this is finally like a really cool halftime show. And I was like, oh, well, now, because I think it's a cool halftime show, it was clearly catered toward me, and the NFL will only cater a halftime show toward old people. So here we are. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I didn't even make that connection that this was old music, and or until I started seeing memes pop up on like Twitter and Facebook about like, you know, people over fifty. I hate this music. <laughs> Yeah. People under 30. Who are these people? Who are these people? Yeah. <laughs> For Kendrick. Kendrick is yeah, right. modernly relevant. He was yeah. the young one. Uh, yeah. yeah. I have to say, I you know, in one of the one of the hype sessions, I feel like Dre was talking about how this was, and I guess I misunderstood, but it was along the lines of like showcasing young hip hop. And I thought they meant they were going to have a bunch of like up and coming hip hop people like join them uh-huh. on the show, like surprise. Uh-huh. Right. And I completely misunderstood that. Cause I was like, no, 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 <laughs> I don't, I don't really know who Kendrick Lamar is. So that tells you how old I am. Mm-hmm. Like, it's <laughs> just like, oh, I don't know that guy. Kendrick Lamar was like the only one where I was like, I have no idea who this is. Right. Because. Oh, all- he's, he is. Um, he is the modern version of those folks. He's oh, his, totally. his rap is a lot more conscious than mm-hmm. uh, Dre and, and Snoop. Um, uh, he's got an album called To Pimp a Butterfly that is phenomenal. Uh, and I would highly recommend checking it out. Um, he's also got another one called Damn that's really good. That The song that he performed was from Damn. Uh, it's called All Right. Um, but uh, I love, there's like a jazz element that flows through uh to pimp a butterfly um and his storytelling and his flow are unbelievable and most people i would say rate him as the best rapper ever um mm. uh who are familiar with his work just based on his flow his storytelling ability uh all and his kind of social consciousness um, yeah i i certainly great. heard I've certainly heard the name, but I just wasn't yeah, very heard the name, familiar. I, and I, I, and after seeing the show and 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 hearing statements like what you just said, Alana, have made me be like, oh, I should really go listen to this because I think I'd enjoy it. You know? Yeah, I, I, I do. I genuinely recommend it. Yeah, 
I am Mary J. Blige breaking it down like a yeah. queen. Oh, uh, man. Thick, fitty scent. Just <laughs> thick. Dropping from the ceiling. No. Getting himself down. Yep. He and looked like uh, he got Eminem, attacked uh, by a taking a knee was pack uh, of angry awesome. hornets. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> his head was small. <laughs> they were like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, Eminem taking a knee. And despite the fact that we found out later, the NFL was like, don't. And he was yeah. like, no, I am. No, no I'm Eminem. I'm just going to yeah. do this thing. Yeah. And I, I think the message behind Eminem, that. No. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, the interesting thing, part of that to me is that people still got pissed off for, for him taking a knee, right? Like, they were like, how dare you do that? And it's like, oh, so he's not doing it during the national anthem and you yeah, still well, have yeah, a problem exactly. with it. Yes. Like, yeah, so then the, the anthem wasn't the issue there, was it? Right, right. Uh, it's just, yeah. 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 Narrative around that whole thing sort of uh, throws me different directions every time I hear it. But what is fascinating to me is how differently it is spoken about and reported. You know, I've seen things that, well, they knew he was going to do it. It's like, oh, what I heard was they said, don't do it. You know, right. and, and so you hear these varying right. like takes on on what was what was known and what was okay. It's just like, oh my goodness, why do we have to dissect it all from every? You know, can it just be a moment? Um, ah, so complicated. Mm-hmm. It is well, yeah, and you got a lot of billionaire owners' money. Speaking of billionaires. The NFL is going to invest, be investigating a couple of those billionaire owners in uh, Stephen Scott and um, Stephen uh, Ross, Dan, Dan Snyder. And, uh, you know, as we're hearing in the news, I, now I don't know uh, if this will actually happen. It will take courage from the other billionaire owners in the league and the NFL itself, but one of the consequences, if these investigations turn up some damning evidence, is that one or both of these owners could lose their team, be forced to sell their team. Um, is, sorry, I actually have kind of missed this story. I, I've been way more into Olympics. Um, is is this fallout from the whole pay to lose scandal, or is this a different scandal? Yeah, the Miami so Dolphins one is the Dan yeah. Schneider one yeah. is just the fuck shit it's, he's been doing for the it's last. It's hostile year. workplace. They're, with they're, Daniel Snyder. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But the it seems like the more immediate one is is Stephen Ross's situation with the pay to lose and the evidence that's starting to mount. And yeah. I for one feel like this is the more likely uh billionaire owner who might uh get the boot because yeah. and, and let me be the integrity clear, the of the game way... because it, it starts to get really threatened and you know yeah. um there's just a the whole only way for him to be forced to sell is by a vote from the other owners. Yeah. Which um, it sounds like they're preparing to do. Yeah. Because if the other owners, if there's somebody who's doing like pay to lose stuff, mm-hmm. that's getting into their own, you know, stuff. And uh, uh, that's the kind of thing that would make them boot mm-hmm. somebody. There are two things um, that I find frustrating about it though. Like he is also uh, being currently uh, taken to task about his hiring practices around uh, people of color, um, which is a conversation that needs to happen. And it's frustrating to me a little bit that the conversation has become more about his tampering with the way the game is played. Mm-hmm. Like, like the racism isn't enough. 
but right. the the making like paying someone to lose like that's a violation right. of our terms mm-hmm. and then the other thing that's frustrating is like he's going to be punished by being forced to sell where do the profits go oh you're yeah. right to him like they're not that they, doesn't have a whole lot of teeth when he's going to walk away with four billion dollars from yeah if it was more like he would recoup his investment and then everything else went to charity right uh yeah that's that's a little bit more of a punishment right so on the note of uh, the um, the issue of of hiring or not hiring minorities, is it is it people within the front office portion of the organization, or is it the head coaching? Because his last two coaches are both African American. Well, they, I mean, the the complaint that came from Brian Brian Flores. Um, was one that was rooted in uh, a pervasive racism that came from the top. It was not exclusively about the pay to lose scenario. I'm not familiar enough with the, um, uh, it, it seems that it, it is a being set up to fail scenario that, yes. that Brian Flores is, is calling into attention, yes. where it's this, this hiring practice where we hire uh, well-qualified black men and ask them to do the impossible or well-qualified black candidates and ask them to do the impossible and then blame them when they can't. Um, And that is what has happened with Brian Brian Flores. And that's a well-known trend in hiring that um, uh, uh, a lot of people are talking about in equity circles. Um, And so I think that that's the complaint. Um, So it's not merely around the hiring. It's and that's why the, the pay-to-lose scheme comes into play, because he knew that if he took the money, he would lose, he would grif- get the draft pick, and then he'd likely be and fired he because he lost yes. and wouldn't get to uh, execute his vision. Yes. Which is yeah. what he happened. He would be the scapegoat. He would be booted. They would bring Cleveland. in uh, some other You're absolutely coach. right, Curtis. And now the, the, owner, the owner of the Cleveland Browns is potentially um, – you know, because of huge action stepping forward and saying like, yeah, I had the same situation happen to me when I was the head coach of the Browns. So now there's like, well, yeah, this is, this is going to be a very fascinating can of worms too. <laughs> uh, I really want that can yeah. of worms open and exposed. Yes. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, change is always a good thing, you know? Um, yeah. And revealing the toxic uh, underbelly of white <laughs> corrupt institutions is also I just, always. I just can't thing. believe that he wanted to lose the dude in uh, Cleveland wanted to lose for Baker Mayfield and not, <laughs> and not <Yeah>. uh, Josh <laughs> Allen. <laughs> like, how beyond stupid is that? <laughs> Baker Mayfield played against Baker completely, but you know, but like Baker Mayfield as ceiling might be an average game managing quarterback at best. Yeah. You know, and well, and firing Brian Flores, who made a maybe slightly above average team, a winning team for, you know, over half a season is pretty incredible. Brian, Brian Flores is a good fucking coach. He's and a good coach. It yes. makes me nervous about this potential of Sean McVay stepping away from the Rams. Oh, is no, that the Rams are going to hire Brian Flores. Oh, don't He's a say great it. fucking coach. And oh. they're just going to keep the machine going down. There. No, you're killing me. 
or Arizona? Do they get do they get rid of uh, uh, their coach and and bring him in? Who the hell knows? You know, yeah. the only time that Arizona ever wins is by like dumb fucking luck and accident. Like <laughs> it's just you know, I mean, they were they were they were really good. They were a competitive fun team when uh, Bruce uh, Arians. Arians was down there, and they had Carson Palmer, and uh, it was a good tough team they gave seattle fits but yeah i'm not buying any of that circus down there now i'm just abused at it all (laughs) (laughs) yeah well um i'm uh i think it's going to be a really exciting off season for uh, a multitude of reasons and i for one am going to be following this news closely um yeah well the nfl season is over and uh we go into the dark period um it was a fun season we got the Winter Olympics, though. And uh, I don't know. When do they end, Alana? When's oh, the, I think when's, it's... When's I think the closing it's, ceremony? Is it Sunday? I believe it's Sunday. Yeah. Is this Sunday? Yeah. All right. So we have a, we have a, a few more days left of it. Uh, Millie, uh, you've been watching pretty closely, right? Oh, my yeah. GPR will tell you stories. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I have not, I, you know, I haven't had much time, uh, in my life, uh, uh, to watch much of the winter Olympics. Um, so I'm really relying on, on the rest of you to give me the, rundown. Yeah, so me give me the skinny Millie. What's, what's the good stuff going on in the winter Olympics this year? Well, the good stuff is great, right? Nathan Chen wins his gold. And mm-hmm. it's, Super it's amazing. The U S yeah. I'm going to talk mostly from the U.S. perspective because it is the Olympics and I live in the United States of America and I'm a citizen here. And so I'm all USA, USA this time of year. So USA was not doing all that well in the medal count. We didn't have any golds. It was just like, what's happening? And then boom, like they just started piling up. Mm-hmm. It has been an amazing few days. And I have to say for me, uh, like Alana, the the snowboard cross, which I we had talked about last time, is just super fun. But also to walk Jacob Ellis, who is the goat in her sport, mm-hmm. finally get her gold. And I gotta say, in that in that uh, yeah, what is it called? It's not the and this is her, call it mixed doubles, right? But is in this that her last like, Olympics? Is she calling it quits after this? She has not said whether she is. She or hasn't not. said. Okay. But what was even better was so Baumgartner. You know, he does his run and it's so sad. And he's, he was crying and he's just this sweetheart of a man, Uh right? And he's the oldest Olympian for the U.S. And they asked him, you know, is, uh, is this it for you? Like, are you going to retire at the end of his, uh, his race? And, and he's crying. He goes, I don't, I I can't go out like this, you know? And then, and then he, two days later, two days later, he didn't even know. They're like, oh, so we're gonna put you with Lindsay in the in the in the uh, combined relay, and he's like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> I didn't think I I didn't think I could. I'm in it, and I get to be with Lindsay. Like he just completely loses his mind because on mm-hmm. top of it, we did have two others, and um, the other gentleman, I think his name is Jake, actually finished higher than Bumgarner. But it made more sense to make this other pairing, especially like, you know, weight and all this, these other factors sure. that go into it. So the fact that those two end up getting getting the goal, it was just, I mean, I told you, find a way story. to go watch it. Go back and watch 
Yeah. Like the quarterfinals on. on. It is exciting. It is fast paced and it's just incredible to watch. So that is definitely Mm -hmm. the tops, the top happy story of the Olympics so far. Right. Can I add one little thing in there? Yeah. Um, 13 of the 19 medals that the Americans have won have been by uh, members of the women's team and there needs to be pay equity but it's rad that so many women are doing great in the olympics go ahead Mary. that's rad absolutely yeah. and um oh her name just flew out of my head uh the speed skater the black woman who won aaron jackson Thank you. aaron jackson's story as well is is amazing because she fell in mm-hmm. um in the qualifiers and she wasn't yes. going to get to go and uh one of her teammates and very good friends gave up their spot because they knew that she was the better skater and mm-hmm. that this was her time. And she went and did something that no other woman has done for the United States. So there's a lot of fantastic, wonderful, beautiful stories like that. Oh, and there I is, love stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Right. And then there's the fucking ice skating, which I think we're going to talk about a little more. So I'm not going to open up the can of worms, but then there's the fucking ice skating. <laughs> Did bad things happen there? So the details of this is there is a 15-year-old Russian skater. Oh, um, yes, yes, yes. Natalia, yes, yes. I can't remember what her last name is. No, uh, uh, Camilla. Uh, Sorry, yeah. Valineva. Camilla Valineva. She had, uh, on in a meet that was right around Christmas, uh, she was drug tested, and then it came back that she was uh, tested positive for a heart medication that is well known, uh, that has been a banned substance for a long time, uh, that is well known to allow uh, people to train at higher altitudes for longer periods of time and experience less uh, muscle decay, less energy uh, degradation. A Um, clear PED. A clear PED. Because she is a minor, the IOC has allowed her to stay in the competition. Um. And it's, there was a lot more to it than that because the Russian Olympic Committee and the IOC were going back and forth and back and forth. Uh, and it was like developing over a period of time. Um, so she, her scores were allowed to stand in the team event. She is allowed to compete in the singles event. Um, it is- With an uh, asterisk that it's all dependent on an investigation that is still ongoing. Right. And because of that ongoing investigation, I'm going to let Millie fill this part in. Um, well, there's, there's, there's a couple of small points because, and, and they are important to how people are looking at this, but before I say anything more, I do want to say, I absolutely believe that she should not be allowed to compete. Agreed. She should be, that Russia needs to be stripped of those medals. Yes. Um, and I think it is a goddamn travesty because they're not going to do a medal ceremony. Right. And right. those teams deserve it. It is one of your yes. best memories. So yes. I, I, pissed as all hell and I don't think she should be able to compete. What I will say within the story itself is the results of those drug tests did not come back until after the games were started. And this is a drug test from back in December. She did test again. That in itself is like an incompetence. Here's the thing like with and again, you know how I feel things should go. But when you get the result of a drug test two months later and you've already had another one which came back clean, Mm-hmm. Just put yourself in someone else's shoes. You would have a really hard time with being told you couldn't compete because you would be challenging that to all ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. Now, counterpoint. Now they're saying she accidentally like took her grandpa's medicine. And so I'm like, oh, well now I really don't believe you. Right. But, <laughs> um, oh, that Russian gaslighting. She is, she is a minor. 
And I don't know how much control she gets to have over anything that goes in her body mm-hmm. the program that she's in. Right. Yeah. I do so want to say have, that it is very possible. This was something her trainers gave her that she had no uh, um, intention of doing. But one of the other things that's really strange with all of this is that they go to this outside body to make these determinations. This like, you know, this this other uh, group, there's a lot of acronyms here. So this other group, which is who's supposed to, who basically makes the final decision on this. And that's, who's made this decision about, well, you can compete, but you can't win a medal or whatever. We can't make any decisions until these uh, appeals are done. But um, the like six other organizations, I think they really expected them to say, yeah, you're out. And they didn't. And so Mm -hmm. now you've got every other organization, including the IOC saying, oh, well, we don't, we don't think that's actually what you should do. (laughs) So it's almost like you take something to an arbitrator, right? In court where you say, okay, we'll agree to arbitration. And then the arbitrator comes back with the ruling nobody wanted. And so everyone's like, oh, 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 shit. Yeah. (laughs) This is horrible. This is worst case scenario because it ruins the Olympics for everybody. Mm -hmm. Well, and and now you have, uh, now you have a consistency issue, right? You have a continuity issue. Because Kerry Richardson, uh, two years ago in the Summer Olympics, wasn't allowed to compete because uh, she had THC in her system, which isn't a known PED. Which was, <laughs> which is legal in Oregon, and she admitted to using it because her mom died. Yes. Yeah. She was not allowed to compete. Right. So now mm-hmm. you've got like this you know, woman who took a clear PED who is allowed to compete versus a woman who uh, took a banned substance, which is not a PED and was not allowed to compete. And now you're looking at the two differences between these two people. And what's the difference? One's a minor. One is black. (laughs) A lot more differences. I'm just, I am going to say this. Do I think it, do I think race enters into this? Yes, I do. But I also think that there are a number of other factors that go all the way back to the fact it took four weeks to get this fucking test, mm-hmm. which is bullshit. already started the games. Yeah, it, there are some real differences here. Yeah, again, I don't think she should get her medals. I am not. I'm not fighting. Well, for it, it, it's all systemic and it's a mess. And there needs to be, um, you know, a clear investigation into the whole thing and some revisions uh, in the process. I will say, um, I do think it is easier for people, white people, especially to discount people of color more quickly when it comes to matters such as these. Oh, mm-hmm. when we're talking about the public sphere, if we're talking about Twitter, absolutely. Yes. Uh, and we're talking about governing boards too. Like, well, yes. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. yes. Is it, is, is, is pot in like, I, I know that the NFL has, um, has loosened up its rules and regulations when it comes to PED, uh, uh, marijuana, THC. Um, THC. Um, but I think that the international sports community has still classified it. At least it did back then as a performance enhancing drug. And they, what... they classify it as a banned substance. They don't classify okay. it as a performance enhancing drug. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. So yeah. that's, I mean, she got substance. caught with a banned substance in her system. Yeah, they're both banned substances. Mm-hmm. One gives you clear advantages in your, uh, you know, athletic performance and another doesn't. Yeah. 
It makes shitty pizza taste better. <laughs> <laughs> it makes all pizza taste better, Curtis. Yeah, it, it allows me to clean the house when I don't want to. <laughs> it gets me real fucking paranoid. It's like, oh, is that my heart speeding up? What? It makes sticks sound good. <laughs> <laughs> or rush. Yeah. Right. Hey, now. There's rush bands out there that I'm sure are listening. Um, well, you know, I'm excited about that. Uh, that's going to be a fun, uh, that's going to be a fun risk. So what's, what's the biggest stories on the horizon then? What's, uh, what's coming up? What, uh, what events haven't been decided? What, who's, who's going for what goal? The women's curling team is undefeated. I think the men's oh, curling. Oh, I wanted to ask about curling. Lost. I love curling actually. How, how now the U.S. is always horrible in curling. So they're out. Canada's no, really no, good no. at it. The U.S. team won gold last year, or last Olympics. What? John Schuster, the men's team, and the women's team look to be at the top. The, the curling world has been rocked over the course of the last four years because the Americans won. Oh, uh, and no, we are seeing okay. a lot Here's of, thing. A lot Lana, of really... If that's true, tomorrow I am... Seattle has a curling... Yeah, league. it's like a mile from my house. I'm signing up because the thing about curling, this is what I love about curling... It's you can be like sport. a middle-aged 48-year-old uh, dad bod, and you can get into the Olympics on a curling team. But you do it. actually still need, you need a lot of arm strength. Yeah. I, I, even I, those I, brooms, I, come on. And yeah. uh, there's actually some great mic'd up moments from the men's team because they are such a hoot, those those uh, those guys. Where the one, like, put your hand on my back, put your hand on my back because he's going so fast, like he needs some support. <laughs> and always yeah. oh, like, all right, he's like, I love you, man. Like they're just adorable. <laughs> they're those those men are hilarious. It's the women stuff. are super like intense. They look yeah. they, they look good. They could be a surprise. Um, the biggest thing I think one of the biggest things left is actually Wednesday night at uh, I think it's at uh, eight o'clock p.m. is the once again, rematch of the U.S. women's mm. hockey against the Canadians. Yes, we go. that's uh, that's fun. That's always a good time. And yeah. there is one more. Uh, there's an there's a cat on that team who is uh, one of the developmental prospects for the Kraken. Uh huh. There's a um. There's an event that I don't recall being in the being there in the past. It's another one of these combined team events, which they're doing a lot more of in. Um, in, in downhill skiing, mm -hmm. but there is one more opportunity for um, Michaela Schifrin has had a real tough time here. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's really uh, great that she's continuing to compete and, and, and take her mental health. I wish they would stop asking her questions. You don't usually question the person in 14th place about why they think they did how they did, but they'll sure as hell ask her and put it up there for everyone to see. So she's, she's really held herself together. Well, um, but I'm interested to see that because I don't recall them doing that before. Mm -hmm. uh, so that should be neat. And then, of course, we'll have the pairs. We still have the pairs figure skating after the women's figure skating. Yeah. Oh, and bobsled. Yes. Bobsled, super fun. I do love bobsledding. Yeah. Who's uh, who's competing in the bobsled for the for the gold? Yeah, the Germans and the Austrians because that's who's always competing for the sliding <laughs> events. Right. Oh, and the U.S. took gold and silver in the brand yes. new Mono Bob event. The women. Um, that was, like that's also a story. All right, good stuff. All right, uh, let's move on to some dorking. Are you ready? To uh, I think I've we got one more topic we want to do. You've been dorking out. 
Yeah, we still have one more topic. We got we, oh, we, uh, Alana's got a topic. Oh, gonna... oh, that's right. I am so sorry. No, that's totally true. Alana, yes, you have a topic near and dear to your heart. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, I give the floor to you. I am so sorry. That's okay. Um, so uh, there's been a lot of conversation in the Twitter sphere specifically about um, trans athletes competing in their, uh, their gender category, as opposed to their assigned gender at birth category. Um, there is a specific case right now going on at the university of Pennsylvania, uh, featuring, um, Leah Thomas, who, uh, she, because of the canceled season in 2021 due to COVID, she, Uh, took that time to train and go through hormone replacement therapy um, so that she could qualify under the rules of the uh, um, the U.S. Swimming Federation um, and be able to compete. She has met every qualification that has been asked of her. uh, And in the process of switching from the men's team to the women's team, she has uh, moved up in the rankings from 468th nationwide in men's to one of the top swimmers on the women's team. Right. Um, she loses races. Uh, she lost a race to a trans man, um, which is not some, a narrative that most often is talked about. Um, sure. I am presenting this information uh, because I am of the opinion um, and uh, it is an opinion that, that's backed by science that when you have followed the regulations that have been put forth by the sport, you should be allowed to compete as the gender that you are. Mm-hmm. And that and those regulations program- being like hormone therapy and things like yes. that. So mm-hmm. effectively what the regulations are is they do test for testosterone level, okay. um, which is a horribly invasive process. Um, some federations uh, check genitalia um, and they require the, the big change that's happened in this is before Leah Thomas, they would they required 24 months of hormone replacement therapy. Okay. And now they have increased that to 36 months, which Leah Thomas is coming up on her 34th month. So it is an intentional designation to keep mm. her from competing at nationals. But right. the IOS or the the, uh, the the ruling federation in this case, because there are like three different federations that are kind of going back and forth with one another has said that she will be able to compete, which is nice. My overall viewpoint here is that this is an attempt to remove trans exceptionality, Mm -hmm. to remove young trans people or Mm -hmm. to take away from young trans people, the ability to have an idol within their chosen sport. And the reason that I think that that is happening is because we have this push from the right that is designed to exclude trans people from public space. Mm-hmm. And when you have a representat- representative of trans experience in a mm-hmm. high level of competition, of something like Jeopardy, where we recently, recently saw Amy Schneider win 40, uh, 40 games or get to 40 games, um, in, in film and TV where you have someone like MJ Rodriguez being the first nominated trans person, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, sorry, first winning trans person, uh, best actress at the Emmys. Um, 
and uh, of a vast number of other which by the way can we get rid of those gender designations in the acting categories i yeah that's a tougher conversation i think to have um but i hear what you're saying i think that that i think i don't think that the governing bodies of those things are capable of making a decision that would allow other people to 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 allow the best performances to win right um oh yeah absolutely Yes, we yes. just see we just if we got rid we, of we'd the see Leonardo genders, DiCaprio winning it every year. We, there'd yeah. be ten men nominated every year. Yeah, I, totally. Yeah, I see where you're coming from on that. Yeah, but by removing this representation, we remove something for kids to strive for. Something seeing sure. themselves in a space, the joy and beauty and connection and teamwork and every single element of being a part of a team of your mm-hmm. peers when you mm-hmm. are eight, nine, up to teenage years, when you're not competing at an Olympic level, which Leah Thomas even isn't even competing at an Olympic level. Right. She's in college swimming. It's a different sport. Um, uh, to remove that from a young trans person who is going through the start of their journey, who is mm-hmm. finding community with people who identify uh, as a girl or a boy or a non-binary person that aligns with them um, in whatever uh, representation their bodies are otherwise mm-hmm. their sex is um to remove that is child abuse it is child abuse and the fact that we have uh the so many states so many legislatures that are banning trans women no trans women they are not banning trans men this is chris Mosier. he is one of the top rated uh triathletes in the country um, he consistently is being under consideration for the Olympic men's national team, and he is a trans man. But we don't hear about him. And when we talk about this, it is only ever about trans women because wow. there is the perception that trans women are going to re- destroy women's sport. Is there a thought, do you think, Alana? Is there a thought of you? Because you, you have this same argument with uh, the restrooms, right? Which is like, oh, well, you're just going to have men saying they're women so they can go into the women's restroom and like get their jollies off and everything. Is there a little bit of that argument, do you think, going on with this? Which is like, well, a man finds he can't compete in the men's races. So he's going to say he's a woman, like it's bosom buddies or something like that. And, uh, and then he can win the gold in all these women's races. I think that that is probably a part of it. Can I ask, um, and, and this would, making a guess, just an average guess, uh, and I'm going to use a popular sport. What do you think the average basketball, male basketball player makes in a year? Average basketball player? Yeah. Their, uh, basketball players are paid highly. Um, I'm going to guess, fuck. Five million? Yeah, that's know. probably about right. I, I'm not, I don't have the numbers. What, what do you I think? I know what the, Sue Bird makes, and it's less than a million. Yeah. So what's the average? What's the top? I think the top salary for someone in the WNBA is two hundred and twenty-three thousand dollars. Two hundred. Sue Bird 200, is LeBron James. Two hundred twenty-something is the max. Barely value makes. That you can yeah. Get. Yeah. So why on earth, if you were a man who was competing at that oh, level, totally. would you would you throw on a wig just so you could play? Like, yes. The, the the concept that a man could just, tra- I mean, like if LeBron James threw on a wig and said, I'm a woman and went to the WNBA, would that be a problem? Yes, absolutely. Right. Because we know that LeBron, LeBron, like that's what we're imagining would happen. 
Yes. But what would actually happen, what would actually be happening is someone like me, I've been on hormone replacement therapy for four years. I play basketball because I love playing basketball. I will never make it to the WNBA, um, but it it would be fun uh, to try out. (laughs) But it's someone like me who's, but like, and, and my training shouldn't be discounted. Right. Right. Even if like I have a masculine body structure or uh, whatever, I have masculine genitalia, whatever the story may be. The other question I have around this is, um, was there ever a question raised about Michael Phelps competing against normal humans? Because the man. Right. Yes. Yeah. He is genetically superior for the job that he does. Exactly. He has He's got the, the long arms yeah. and the wingspan and the upper body strength. Everything about him, about his genetics, are designed to swim. And nobody like said, an athlete, should he, he be allowed compete to compete in football or whatever? But as a swimmer, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald is a prime example of that. Exactly. Aaron yes. Donald has the right amount. Uh, he he's got he he's 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 a bit shorter, but he's got incredibly long arms. He's got long arms. He's got he the can, strength. He's got. I mean, he, he he. It's incredible watching him play because he is able through his length with his arms, his low center of gravity. He can ragdoll men that are yes. like 50, 60 pounds heavier with right. muscle. Right. Based him. purely on yeah. how he was built genetically. What's yeah, the whole completely. the whole Watt the whole Watt family, right? Right. If you're a member of the Watt family, <laughs> chances are you can tackle. Yeah. Or the You've got long arms. I mean, it's all about leverage. You can. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, it's- and so if it's if it's not actually a question about genetics, which we're proving that it is not a question about genetics, right. what is it a question about? It's a question about right. fear of the identity, fear mm-hmm. of replication of the identity by me be, being representing uh, the trans identity in sport, other kids, other people going, oh, I'm trans and that being a problem. And then and connected to that fear of trans exceptionalism because the minute that we have trans people seen as a regular part of life a regular part of society then other people will feel comfortable being trans which is fucking beautiful but it's not what these people want and this is the thing i want to say to all those people out there who are afraid of that like uh well seeing a trans athlete is going to make my child trans no your child is trans if they're trans this is the same argument we had about homosexuals uh 30 years ago and it's like seeing other homosexuals on screen or in life or wherever doesn't make your kid homosexual it just makes them braver about coming out as homosexual that's all it is Trans people have existed. They've just been in the closet for a lot, a lot of years. And, and the reason they've been in the closet for a lot of years is because those brave ones that came out as trans, you know, in uh, in the years uh, where it wasn't maybe as acceptable as it's becoming, they saw how those people were treated. Millie, mm. what were you saying? I was just going to say, as someone who so often likes to think that we've made all this progress. Um, if you are listening to this and for a moment think like, ah, it's not that bad. It's overblown. I got to tell you this week, I, I saw a Facebook post, um, about Amy and her Jeopardy wins and how much money, and it was nothing but thousands and thousands of posts from people talking about her gender. What the, what? 
in the comments section yeah it just doesn't and and it just doesn't even make sense as to why they're bringing it up or what it has anything to do with so if if you start to think like this just isn't that big a deal anymore this isn't really happening it's not eh, no it, it is like you can't even you can't win a a game show Mm-hmm. Let alone a swimming meet, like and I yeah, and I think it's what's brain really, power matters too. Apparently, for your gender, like it, it just doesn't make any sense. It only makes sense as part of fear and some sort of strange inbred sense that you've been trained with that somehow there is something evil or wrong here, and that's just absolutely asinine and it is so hard to comprehend when you start to think that we have made progress in these areas you can always go check yourself because just because you don't see it or experience it doesn't mean that things have changed and i think one of the the most important thing about amy schneider and i think she acknowledges this and recognizes it is she's really our first norm core trans person like laverne cox is one of the more famous trans people on the planet um uh caitlin uh jenner is a famous trans woman both of these trans they're glamorous they are larger than life they're celebrities amy schneider shows up with a voice that sounds like mine that she intentionally didn't change so that people Uh like me could see a trans woman talking with their voice that they're not modifying to fit a a version of femininity that is yeah. thrust upon them and wearing or even showmanship fucking, like right coming on She's, looking like you could be the accountant of right you know like the business down the street she is she has done more for trans people than you can possibly imagine the number of 80 year old men who are seeing amy schneider for the first time seeing a trans person having them be a part of their lives and recognizing that they're just a normal person like it was it's that alone will make more of a dis- difference than anything else we're talking about um, regarded to trans rights, I believe. Which is totally. why she's going to get an image award from the, um, uh, uh, I forget which one, Glad. So Alana, do you, how, how do the other athletes competing in these events, uh, like how, what are their thoughts on um, a trans woman competing in these uh, uh, events? Unfortunately, 16 of her teammates signed a letter that said they do not want to be competing with her. And they did so anonymously because they're cowards. Um, And I think a lot of that is pressure from their parents. Um, But I think a lot of it, too, is just a lack of understanding of the science in this uh, and a lack of uh, compassion for their for their fucking teammate. Like, can you imagine being on a team where 16 people behind your back without owning up to it? said, I don't think you should be competing. Meanwhile, yeah. her fiercest competitor is like, I can't wait to beat her. Like the, this is, it is so, I, and the thing with Leah Thomas, she is a college swimmer. That is right. not, that is not it's the not route. High stakes. Right, that's not the route you take. She's at Penn. That's not the route you take to go to the Olympics. That's something right. you do to get a scholarship to go to the college you want to go to. It's not, I mean, like college swimming is, it's like, it's similar to college gymnastics. You know, you can get some people to get to the Olympics, but in general, it's more of this like team, um, uh, uh, whatever, club sport type of thing. Yeah. She doesn't want to be, Leah Thomas has not like granted a single fucking interview since, since this thing happened because she wants privacy and she just wants to be able to compete. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's hard. I, you know, we're living in such a transition right now. Uh, no pun intended. Um, literally no pun intended. I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Daniel. Um, uh, but there's, I, I don't know. It's a great conversation to have. Um, I, I tend to lean with you, Alana, which is like, Hey, especially by the way, I just want to bring up, I, I understand that a committee might want some length of time on hormone therapy, right? I get that. 36 months though, <laughs> when you're in college, feels very targeted. Yeah. Because when you start going on hormone therapy, probably not until you're 18 at the youngest. No, uh, no, no, no. You, you, you can get on hormone blockers as early as like 10, 11. Um, in which case then you don't go through a puberty for your gender assigned at birth. You would just not go through puberty and then you might be able to get on hormone replacement. So estrogen in my case, right now, how many, you know, people in college have gone on hormone therapy that young? probably quite a few. I mean, this is, it's, it's not unrecognized science. There are plenty of people who started their transition process at four, five, six, Um, I know multiple kids now who are in that age range and then uh, started on hormone replacement therapy, like in the early 2000s, when they were 10, 11, 12, um, they they paused their puberty and then maybe started estrogen. um, If because like this is if you're thinking about it, this is a 12 year process of a kid. Like I knew I was trans when I was four. I, you know, like if I would have come out then I even in the 90s. Uh, I probably could have started on um, early 2000s puberty blockers uh, in in the 90s without and it being 12, 13, 14 uh, without it being a problem. I knew it existed. I knew that it was a possibility for me. I didn't go that route. Um, so uh, so I hear what you're saying, where it feels like the acceptance has um, uh, uh, opened the door for this to happen. And maybe we're not there yet. But ultimately, yeah. there are a lot of kids who are starting the transition process. Good. Well, uh, then they can start uh, getting in there. The 36 months sounds like an incredibly, like I, yeah, I feel I know, like I if totally you're in that hormone therapy for, you know, 12 months, you're probably got a lot of that testosterone sort of out of your system. Um, but it's also interesting. We're not having that conversation in the other way around. Right. For trans men going into men's sports. Yeah. Usually what happens is they just keep competing in the women's sports because no man wants to, uh, compete against them. There's that um, case of Max or Mac Briggs, I think, in Texas, who was a high school wrestler. Um, mm-hmm. Who uh, and notice we're talking about high school athletes and college athletes and not professional athletes and not professional athletes, right? So he beat every woman. He went undefeated two years in a row because he was only wrestling the women because none of the men would wrestle him. Wow. Yeah. That's but we don't talk about that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I've taken uh, a lot of time, so we should we should move on. But um, <laughs> yeah, I care very right. deeply about this topic. Well, it's a it's a good conversation to have. Um, yeah, I've been following it. Uh, I you know I don't I haven't had a lot of opinions on it. Uh, I just you know, um, it's a time for me to kind of like step back and watch what's happening um i think that the i i i personally i found the reaction to be uh an overreaction which is um 
you know, I think, unfortunately, a uh, common reaction these days. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, um, I don't know. I think it's interesting. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it goes down. Um, yeah. Why don't we dork out about some stuff? Cool. Just a little real quick. B&E meets on top of Queen Anne. Uh, they have some, they had a really great uh, Valentine's Day special, got uh, three different uh, prime cut New York strip steaks and some bacon wrapped prawns, and they, they were delicious, had a great Valentine's Day, and then uh, the band Cheek Face, um, highly recommend, especially if you're into groups like They Might Be Giants, Pavement, Cake, um, the with a little bit of Vampire Weekend, weekend sprinkled in, it's real um, wordy, nonsensey uh uh music jangly music that i highly recommend cheek face cheek face yes can you find it on spotify yes all right go listen to cheek face and then you can listen to uh the rest of our other podcasts just don't listen to it on spotify but anyway follow cheek <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. Are we on That's spotify we're, we're on, on spotify, spotify right? we have nothing to do with joe rogan I didn't mean to derail. Go find us somewhere else. Did you like us on Spotify? Go find us on some. I, I would say Apple, but fact, uh, right? Then you're like Amazon. Uh. Like ah, oh, <laughs> damn it. We need our own podcast network. I never even heard of Joe Rogan until this whole like Aaron Rodgers thing. I never even actually knew this guy existed. Lucky you. You're better for that, Curtis. Yeah. Yeah. What are you darking out on, Millie? Oh, I'm super excited. If you thought I went through Archive 81 fast, <laughs> then I discovered Doom Patrol on HBO, um, which I, I will say that um, I have never read DC Comics. Everything I know about DC comes from animated series or, or movies, right? So I've never read them. And um, as a very small child, uh, I loved Justice League like nobody's business. Yeah. Um, but... I'd never heard of Doom Patrol. I remember when this show came out, I didn't have HBO. Um, so I, I've heard, you know, I saw a couple like, you know, promos for it. And I was like, well, that looks interesting because, you know, I, I do love my comic book uh, shows. Oh my God, do I love this show. It is, I mean, not only is it Misfits, so I gotta love that, but these storylines, I mean, kind of in tune with our podcast today are really so much about identity and and accepting who you are and 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 allowing yourself to to change and grow and um at its heart right but meantime mm -hmm. it's it's lots of fighting and weird action and and crazy crazy storylines i mean people go into other dimensions through a, a donkey's mouth like mm -hmm. there is really really wild wacky stuff happening but at its core this this the doom patrol is a, a bunch of misfits and who are trying to figure shit out without their leader. And um, it's just great. And I just finished an episode. Um, there's one of the characters has been, you know, kind of coming to terms with it, with the fact that he lived his life as, as a closeted homosexual in the fifties. Um, but of course he hasn't aged. You gotta see it to understand it. But um, it, it's just, these storylines just, they're beautiful. Mm -hmm. They're thoughtful, and they're within this really crass, ridiculous world. Mm -hmm. And 
So it's once again, just right up my alley. And I've been tearing through the first season. It's uh, HBO Max. I'm sorry, Curtis. Um, <laughs> I highly recommend it. Yeah, uh, Doom Patrol stars two Seattle actors playing the same part. Right? Janahan uh does the is the physical robot man he does uh he he's robot man as the human brendan fraser voices him right so who's the first yeah. actor riley shanahan riley shanahan by the way uh uh was supposed to be in green stages king lear that uh that uh i played edgar in he was supposed to be my edmund and then he dropped out last minute oh yeah so, I uh, <laughs> yeah Congratulations, Riley Shannon. Yeah, you got Doom Patrol, I guess, but you could have been in uh, Green Stage Shakespeare in the Park in 2013 with me. Yeah. Great loss of opportunity there, buddy. He's not listening to this podcast. Curtis, who are you talking out on? Brendan I'm I'm just uh, Watching an abject terror, uh, all the shit going on in the Ukraine. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, not not entertainment. It's uh, legitimately uh, terrifying me. It feels like Putin is like doing a biff from Back to the Future to NATO and Europe's George McFly and Leah Thompson as the Ukraine. Like, it's just like, it's, it's, it's horrific. It feels like we're one Archduke Franz Ferdinand assassination away from World War III. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think humankind has been predicting the end of the world since the dawn of humankind, but it's like, this is like legitimate. It's just, it's, the world just feels more unstable. Agreed. Like, this is just, this is just another instability of like a really shaky uh set of uh fucked up countries um with a lot of power and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah I, I i don't i don't like any of it um i've got relatives in europe um some of which i'm fairly close with and um you know it's just like yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the United States does. I don't know what NATO does, but it feels like uh, an invasion is imminent. You know, there's there's the Western part of the Ukraine and under my understanding is um, trying to become increasingly more democratic. Um, there's um, there's 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 a pull to join NATO and uh, I think that Putin is an unhinged tyrant who um, absolutely despises with his whole entire being Western democracy and the idea of a former Soviet state right next to his country pulling further away from, you know, uh, the tyranny of oligarchs and everything is just something that he wants to put down and stamp out in any way possible. It feels like he's going to potentially do it. I've been having the same anxiety as you, Curtis, listening to this whole thing. It just feels like something is imminent. I mean, to me, it feels like for the last few years, we're, there's a powder keg that's going to explode. And I don't know what that powder keg is, but there's something that's going to set off a series of unfortunate events. And it's feeling like this is it. 
because you get something like this going and then there's, you know, a rising superpower in China that is going to take advantage of any kind of um, thing happening like this to sort of advance their own agenda. And, um, and then the U S that's trying to preserve their foothold on the world. And it all just feels very precarious right now. Yeah. I really thought it was going to be North Korea, but yeah. We, you know we, what we it's like shift to the russians you know it's and it's just and that's just another again. sort of xenophobic outlook too well, like listen, it's just uh, like oh the yellow man's crazy yellow man back again like, so why not the russians what's that i said everything nostalgic is is uh is being resurrected again so you know why not the u.s russian uh hey uh, man rivalry? it's like yeah all that fear and paranoia that i grew up with uh in the 80s is just like <laughs> <laughs> shot back up Rearing its ugly head again. actually <laughs> like... i listened to a really uh really informative and well-balanced interview with uh, uh it was on npr with a gentleman who's much more in i think he's in ukraine and very wise to what's to russian politics and what's happening in russia and what he uh likened it to was actually the cuban missile crisis he said it's mm. much more uh-huh. akin to that mm-hmm. which was a moment that took us to the brink and yeah. uh it took diplomacy to to de-escalate it all and he right. felt that was very much uh, if you were going to find a real comparison in our history as to sort of what is this face-off right now mm-hmm. that was uh that was his comparison to the to the closest situation yeah i i will say uh all of this stuff is what has me listening to kxv music in the morning instead of npr because i just don't need to wake up every day to more anxiety yeah and i feel there's like there's a lot of anxiety yeah. so much anxiety i know and the fact so of the matter I, is, is i don't I, drink been, anymore uh, so i'm like <laughs> i've been i've been uh i've been uh i just finished my second weekend of uh copenhagen at second story repertory and in, in redmond that's a plug for everybody out there we're closing this weekend so if you want to get your tickets get them now we close sunday the 20th uh, you can find tickets at secondstoryrep.org. Um, purchase them. It's a great show. Uh, plug, plug, the, plug, so, plug. Yeah. What, what time is your show on Sunday? Uh, I, I don't know. Really, oh. I just show up when the stage manager tells me to. Uh, I think <laughs> I think it's a two o'clock matinee. But There's just no football. The so, you know, what am I going to do? I know. But the play is about uh two nuclear physics two atomic physicists the uh two premier atomic physicists of the time Werner heisenberg who i'm playing and niels bohr um and uh just so happens that Werner heisenberg went off to uh you know went back home to germany to help hitler develop the atomic bomb and niels bohr uh from you know nazi occupied denmark escaped and went off to help america build theirs And the play is about a meeting that the two of them had in 1941. The two of them were very, very close friends and colleagues. Uh, They they created the Copenhagen interpretation together of of atomic physics. They worked closely together until they didn't. Uh, And they had a meeting together in 1941. which nobody really knows what happened, uh, but whatever happened during that meeting, it fractured their friendship forever and the two never spoke again. Um, The play supposes what happened at that meeting, but it's 1941, it's in the middle of a war and we can only speculate uh, that Mm -hmm. the two of them had maybe very different philosophies (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, of what to do with atomic physics. Uh, and uh, as I've been doing this show, it's, you know, I've been watching this whole Ukraine mess through that lens and it's kind of scary. Um, yeah. So I know I feel you, Curtis. Uh, why, by the way, Matt Slinger, Matt Slinger, I know you're listening to this when you're out there. He came to see the show on Saturday. Nice. Uh, I just hope it wasn't too, too dark for him. I hope the lighting was okay. He, uh, he said you were great. He told me. Oh, good. Could did he, was he able to see it though? Uh, can I, can I, can I, can I, can I out him on this show? No, he already outed himself. He left it intermission because he, he thought it was over. Thinking though this play was done. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. Can I just say that's that night that he saw it. We went into the dressing room, you know, so we left, we, you know, we left it and, you know, we, we, the, the lights came down at the end of the first act and, uh, and there was an enthusiastic applause. It was really nice. And then it kept going. We were like, they really like us. And then it kept going and we were like, they think it's over. They're 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 clapping for an okay. encore that we're not going to give them. <laughs> it was funny. Oh, Matt Slinger, I love you. <laughs> I, I hope you were able to see us. It's a very moody show, and the lighting reflects that. I'm just saying. Uh, I've been dorking out on. I just got a PlayStation Five. I was able to get my hands on PlayStation 5, I know. And so I've been playing all these video games. I, I've, I've, I've had an Xbox previously, and so there's all these PlayStation exclusives that I was never Charted. able to play. I know. So I got uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, and I've been playing the hell out of that game. It's a giant open world game. It takes place in, um, it feels like, I, I don't, I'm not, far enough into it to really understand the lore yet and i and it feels like that is going to be the mystery of this game but it feels like it's earth in a post-apocalypse um and uh things have gone to maybe some kind of primitive uh technology you play a woman um who was an outcast of her tribe and uh she can shoot a bow and she has a spear and stuff like that uh, and, uh, and it's super fun and there's a mystery that you're trying to figure out and there's, um, robot dinosaurs roaming the land that you have to hunt. I hmm. mean, that, which sold me right away. Like I, I have to hunt robot dinosaurs that can like shoot lasers and stuff. I'm in like <laughs> great, but the story is absolutely fantastic. Uh, the whole like first part of the, of the story, uh, at the end of it kind of like, had me uh, had me a little verklempt, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, I I just found out that the sequel is about to come out, uh, and that also has me very excited. By the way, I was just reading today. By the way, the se- so the sequel uh, the the game I'm playing was built for the PlayStation 4. The sequel is optimized for the PlayStation 5 and all of its graphics. And uh, the protagonist of of the Horizon series is a woman. And in the in the sequel, the graphics are so good, so detailed that in certain shots you can see the hair on her face, and there are there are Reddit men who are like, "What? The Aloy has a beard?" And then now a bunch of people calling him out, being like, "Oh, you've ever you've never actually seen a woman up close, have you?" Because. <laughs> We've all got a little bit of hair on our face. 
Oh, the clown car that is America. Just outing themselves. Yeah. Anyway, I'm having a good time and uh and I'm excited I'm excited to see where it goes. I've also been watching Ozark on uh Netflix. Uh I'm addicted to crime stories. I love crime stories and this is another one. Um uh fantastic acting um Jason Bateman and Laura Linney. Uh Jason Bateman plays a mild-mannered uh accountant who starts laundering money for a drug cartel and, you know, things break bad and he has to uh, flee Chicago to the Ozarks uh, to hide out. But of course, uh, you know, the complications are met along the way and bad men and all that good stuff. And Laura Linney kind of plays a woman who's smarter and braver. You know, it's kind of a cliche to call her a lady Macbeth. uh, But I, you know, that's kind of what she is. Uh, and not as like a woman who's like encouraging him to like keep killing, but as a woman who's like, she's the one who has the power and the brains and the strength behind the man. And, uh, and it's a good time. It's a good show. Uh, yeah. Did uh, you know that they're the girl, Julia Garner, um, who's also in the new Shonda, uh, Shondaland show called Inventing Anna. She's the one uh-huh. with the curly hair. She's married uh-huh. to the guy who is foster the people. Who sang all the other kids with the pumped up kicks? Just <laughs> really, just random connection there. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I like that. Good. Maybe he should have sang the uh, halftime show. <laughs> Uh, that's all I have to say. Chris has some really good stuff up right now on 12life.com. You should go check it out. Uh, Love letter again. to Jordan Canada. What's that? His love letter to Jordan Canada. His love letter to Jordan Canada, yeah, and uh, who responded. Uh, yeah. Um, my name is Daniel. For Alana Curtis, Millie, the rest of the 12s, saying goodbye. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.